0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today
1: welcome to Sport box here are your headlines today tesla ceo elon Musk tells cnbc it will be a challenging year ahead In an exclusive interview, he also weighs in on politics, the Fed, and why tensions between the US and China should be a concern for everyone. Uh,
2: The Chinese economy and the the rest of the global economy are like conjoint twins. Uh, It it would be like trying to separate conjoint twins. That's the severity of the situation.
1: Meanwhile, Microsoft Chief Satya Nadella disputes claims from mask that Microsoft controls open AI and tells CNBC the technology is accelerating at pace.
3: We're moving from the autopilot era of AI to co-pilot era of AI. So if anything, I feel, yes, it's moving fast, but moving fast in the right direction.
0: US President Joe Biden cut short his Asia tour as the White House scrambles to secure a debt ceiling deal to avert a potential default. And UBS warns it'll take a $17 billion hit from
4: its takeover of Credit Suisse, as it looks to close the deal as soon as next month. And we've got numbers breaking from Siemens. The German industrial giant has raised its full-year outlook, now expecting full-year comparable revenue growth of 9 to 11%. That is up from 7 to 10% previously. But industrial profits in the second quarter look a little bit shy of expectations. We will speak to the CEO, Roland Busch, coming up at 7.30 CET.
1: Twitter, the Fed, Joe Biden and China were just some of the topics that Elon Musk weighed in on when he sat down with CNBC for an hour-long conversation following Tesla's annual shareholder meeting in Texas. Now, Musk discussed the dynamic between the US and China and told CNBC he is worried.
2: I think that should be a concern for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think yeah. it is shared by many
3: people who run large organizations and smaller ones. Do you think, for example, China will will make a move to take control of Taiwan?
2: The official, the official, the official policy of China is uh, that um, Taiwan should be integrated. Mm-hmm. One does not need to read between the lines. One can simply read the lines. Do you think th- <laughs> So <laughs> I, I think there's, a certain, there's some inevitability to, to the situation. That would not be good for Tesla, conceivably, or for any any company in the world, frankly. Yes, for any company in the world, I, I, I think most, almost no, no one reala- realizes that uh, uh, the Chinese economy and, and the global, the rest of the global economy are like conjoined twins. Uh, it, it would be like trying to separate conjoined twins. That that's the severity of the situation, um, and it's actually uh, worse for for a lot of other companies than it is for for. Uh, Tesla. I mean, I'm not, su- I'm not sure where you're going to get an iPhone, for example.
1: The Twitter owner also addressed the criticism aimed at him since he acquired the social media platform. David Faber asked Musk if his tweets had hurt his companies and if his political positions might be off-putting to customers and advertisers.
2: You know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, where he confronts the person who killed his father, and he says, um, Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. See, you just don't care.
4: You want to share what you have to say?
2: I'll say what I want to say, and if, 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 uh, if the consequence of that is losing money, so be it.
4: What a fascinating
0: conversation. Um, in the write-up, uh that we've got on our own website it's described as a sprawling conversation and i think sprawling because it covers so many diverse areas i mean we go we go from talking about his views on biden the auto sector why he took over twitter why he feels it's okay to say what he likes regardless of how many supporters it may lose him and the fact that he also took a took a shot at the laptop class, as he calls them, people that continue to work from home. And he also promotes his own uh, work practices, where he says he takes only two or three days off per week, uh, per year, sorry, two or three days off per year and works seven days a week and gets six hours of sleep a night. I'm not sure how healthy a recipe that actually is for the long term but um, a very interesting and wide-ranging conversation
1: yeah just to pick up on those comments I think we're all a little bit puzzled about you know what was just said in the context of that last clip but I mean we know there's been huge divide now between the sort of woke culture and pushback against it and I think that's somewhat of a political statement that I'll say what I want so I think in some ways it, it's a pushback against what some think is a, a movement that's gone too far so I think perhaps that's what we're seeing in that clip uh, in terms of some of the other comments about the challenging and environment ahead. I mean, Tesla has been immune in some ways, it's had its own growth story. We've heard in some of the commentary that perhaps something about other growth models may be advertising. Uh, that was interesting, putting advertising in cars. So what are they telling us that the metrics around margins, which we know, of course, have been tackled with price cuts that has brought those margins closer to other automakers. Is this a move to try and protect those margins that in future could be under even further pressure with another growth model being perhaps advertising? And for me, that was interesting because for for many years, we've spoken about bringing into cars services that you see elsewhere on other devices. And I think this is the first movement in that area. You've had a lot of building out of digital platforms at other automakers. Tesla, of course, one of the first ones with that massive screen on the dashboard. But I think we're getting to that point where you're seeing the crossover now. So that was quite pivotal for in the conversation the other point around headcount too that perhaps he fired too many people that he might bring more back and that is i guess against the cycle of what we're seeing across other tech companies i'll put tesla and tech company where tech companies are still trying to cut back at this point um
4: so yes so two points one i don't care what elon musk's worldview is actually this is the man who very naively. we said, yeah, yeah, just give the Ukrainians uh, in the occupied zones in Russia, let's just give them a referendum, ignoring the point actually that no referendum even under UN auspices uh, could be held fairly and the fact that vast diaspora has had to leave those parts because of the Russian invasion. So this is the man who said, let's just put Taiwan into an administrative zone as well. That'll be a sorting out. Something like Hong Kong as well. So I actually don't care about his worldview because I think it's naive and ill thought out in many ways. So I appreciate a lot of people do and that's why David's interview with Elon Musk is absolutely fascinating because I am in the minority. Most people seem to care what Elon Musk's worldview is. So let's go back to what your point is about business as well. All I really care about because my job on this channel is to inform our viewers about investment decisions. If I have one job, it's like to give them the worldview so that they can see uh, and make up their own minds. Well, all I care about is the fact that Elon Musk is cutting margins on Tesla in the vicious battle that's going on there. All I care about really for our viewers is the fact that revenues have plunged, advertising revenues have plunged 89% since Musk's takeover at Twitter. So I get that I'm in the minority about his worldview. A lot of people really want to hear what he's got to say about Taiwan, really want to hear his great views on Ukraine. I don't give a jot about them because I think they're ill thought out and he just shoots off the hip rather than thinking about what he's saying. I really care about his business decisions. I really care about the fact that he paid $44 billion for something that's arguably worth nowhere near $20 billion now and how he's going to turn that around and how Linda Yaku Yacurino is going to turn that round as well. That's what I really care about, for me. On Mark, you
1: brought up Linda because that was also raised in some of the conversations. I love what
4: you on first name terms, but the rest of us <laughs> have. Hey, look at you. You've just
1: you, how many you've
4: chatted away over for years. I've had many
1: you? interactions with Linda Yacurino, and she was Massive obviously between
4: you and I this company.
1: very much in charge there, of the revenue that's brought into our business for many, many years. <laughs> and she was a powerhouse. very good at doing that. Very close relationships with advertisers, very good at creating new advertising models. You know That is the intel that we have to, to share with the audience. She was terrific at that. And if you look at what Twitter has failed to do in the past, it was create a genuine revenue model, put all the, the guardrails in place for the advertisers, the things they cared about, and but also build out new innovative ways to bring in revenue to uh, a social media platform. So we heard about that yesterday. Musk is saying that that will be Linda's area running the business and also advertising. He will focus on technology. And I think uh, that what uh, that clarity? Of well, course,
4: first name terms with. I mean, I I, I have to use the whole name because I'm not, you know, Elon. <laughs> has, has, has
0: anybody heard anything as daft as in car advertising while you're trying to drive it? <laughs> You've bought the car, you're just plugging Elon, in the sat. Car advertising every time you put the radio Take the third on. turning on the right, and while you're at That's it, wash with Dove soap. <laughs> it could be the best experience. I mean, come on, really? I've heard some models, but not or, that one for or me or you
1: need petrol stop at the next petrol station and you know you'll end up with this promotional um, payback right of steak knives or something. If
0: you need <laughs> petrol you plan carefully to find the cheapest uh, garage in the area. That would probably be and then you, you hone your route to make sure that you take That's it well, in. True.
4: Or is that just confirm me? or deny is that, that the, uh, the first turning after you come out of the Blackwell <laughs> Tunnel on the A2 is actually the cheapest in London at the moment. Which are no, all c- on c- that, but, but again, how
1: do you access it without mm. trying to spool through or you try to drive? So again, yeah. the models uh, could do us some work. But anyway, we're going to push on. Musk also weighed in on current Elon. Fed policy. Yes, Elon weighed <laughs> yeah. in on current Fed policy telling CNBC that the central bank will be too slow to lower interest rates. You can head online to CNBC.com for more. And you can also watch CNBC's interview with Elon in a full-on, uh, <laughs> uh, full-on interview on our premium <laughs> service, at CNBC Pro. Well. Oh, um,
4: did you see that chat with Satya? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> my old mate. No, I don't know him from Adam. Uh, Microsoft CEO Satya no, Nadella.
1: Adam the,
4: uh, oh, Adam, chat. yeah, I do know Adam, You didn't actually.
1: see him in Davos a couple of years ago? I times.
4: saw him, but I'm not 1st name terms with him. Huh. Uh, Satya, my old mucker, uh, Nadella, has hit back at claims from Elon Musk uh, that the tech giant uh, controls its uh, partner OpenAI, telling CNBC in an exclusive interview it is uh, factually not correct. The Tesla boss made the claim in April during an interview with Fox and has called for AI labs to pause development uh nadella uh, sat down with andrew that is ross sorkin uh, and outlined microsoft's relationship with the creator of chat gpt
3: you know look first of all i have a lot of respect for elon and all that he does i just say that's factually not correct i mean the as i said OpenAI is very grounded in their mission of being controlled by a nonprofit board we have a non-controlling interest in it we have a great commercial partnership in it and quite honestly I am very comfortable in partnering with a capped profit company that has a mission of fundamentally pursuing this very powerful technology that ultimately is right. going to be controlled by a nonprofit. In fact, the last time I checked, we are the only for profit company that is comfortable with a nonprofit company and a board controlling technology, and I would welcome others to do that as well. Right. Coming up on the programme, insurer Ehon
0: reports earnings. We'll speak to the CEO, Larg Freeze, that conversation coming up shortly.
1: And for more on our interviews with Tesla and Microsoft CEOs, Elon and uh, Sacha, you can uh, tune in for the latest market action at Sportbox podcast.
0: Welcome back, everybody. The uh, Dutch life insurance pension and asset management company Ehon is confident on delivering on its 2023 guidance after reporting strong sales growth in the United States. Lard Fries is with us, the CEO of Aon. Lard, good to see you once again. Thanks for joining us. So just tell us a little bit more about the trading update and how you see current business.
5: Yes, good morning and thanks for having me on the show again. Um, We're off to a good start of the year with uh, commercial momentum strong, as you said, in the United States where we have uh, an uptick of more than 20% in life insurance sales, but also in the retirement plan business has been doing very well. Uh, Also good commercial momentum in the workplace solutions business in the UK and in Brazil and China. Uh, We saw a little bit of softness as well in uh, the asset management business, which is still affected by the volatile financial markets. And the same goes for the retail platform in the UK, where also the investor sentiment, of course, was quite cautious given the macroeconomic backdrop. But overall, I would say a good commercial momentum, very strong capital positions, the operating capital generation for the quarter up 5% over the similar quarter uh, next year. So I would say steady so she goes.
0: I'll leave um, a lot of the other issues on the table for my colleagues here because I'm fascinated about what you're seeing in China and Brazil for that matter here, given that we are still, I think, trying to figure out how strong this rebound is in uh, the People's Republic and also what the resilience of emerging economies is to rising interest rate pressures and inflation. So just paint a picture for us. How strong is this pickup in sales in China?
5: Well, in China, we've seen, um, let's say, during the COVID period, obviously, a lot of slowdown of economic activity. And uh, that was, uh, in those periods, was quite um, visible, actually, in the commercial activity that also we had, and the results that we could, uh, that we could uh, report every quarter. But since we saw the opening uh, of the uh, Chinese market again, uh, post, post the reopening after COVID, if you will, economic activity has picked up. We've also seen um, uh, regulatory changes that happened in 21 and 22, which are now being absorbed by the market. And as a result, we're seeing demand for our kind of insurance products pick up. And our our sales efforts and channels have been uh, delivering uh, for the first time since uh, quite a while good and solid growth uh, in the first quarter of this year. When we look at uh, Brazil, Brazil, the, our Brazilian business has been resilient also throughout the uh, last couple of years and has been growing actually for the, tw- for the past twelve years consistently, uh, year after year. It is is a strong franchise that continues to build out its distribution potential, and as a result, uh, we're seeing that business uh, continuing its growth uh, its growth path.
1: Lad, I want to get into the market volatility. This is in the release and you talk about the the capital position that you've got a strong balance sheet, about 1.4 billion euros in cash here. Also talking about uh, the capital positions of a lot of the main units and uh, the approach seems somewhat conservative. Just give us a sense how your strategy has changed as that market volatility has ticked up.
5: Well, one of, the, one of the key strategic focus areas for us in the last couple of years when I took over in 2020 was to reduce the risk profile of the company. And I think we've worked hard in order to do that, in order to make our cash flows emerge more predictable and in order to, uh, and in order to, to provide a more stable path for earnings growth. And um, against a volatile uh, uh, financial market backdrop, uh, our our progress has been tested, obviously, last year and also this quarter. And what we continue to show is strong capital ratios uh, with good cash flows coming through, so I would say that a lot of the work that we have done, which indeed has put the company on a more cautious path, if you will, from an investment book perspective and other risk areas that we de risk a lot, we're seeing more predictability in our cash flows. And I think that is, uh, that is very uh, comforting for our customers and, and good for investors.
4: Lard, really good to see you today, sir. Um, Why are your shares so badly performing compared with the main rivals such as AXA and Allianz as well? Uh, Down 12.6% year to date. uh, Allianz is up 4%. uh, AXA is up around about 6%. There's quite a significant underperformance. What's going on, sir?
5: Well, I think we're predominantly a life insurance or retirement company, so I think the comparables uh, need to be done uh, vis-a-vis the, the peers in that, uh, in, in that area. Uh, but I would not, you know, I, I'm, I'm, allowing, I'm not commenting on the stock price development. It's something that the market needs to, needs to do, and uh, we are running the business. We have set course a couple of years ago. We have a fundamentally focused uh, our company to those markets that we believe are going to matter longer term for us. And we are consistently implementing our strategy. So far, we've been able to uh, meet a lot of the objectives that we have set ourselves out uh, at the 2020 Capital Markets Day earlier than scheduled. We have raised our guidance a number of times, and we will just continue to progress. I, as I said earlier, steady as she goes, and, uh, and that's how we approach it
1: large uh, you are certainly in the business of managing risk. And at this point, investors have so many different complex items on the table, geopolitics, still the macroeconomic environment, debt ceiling at this point. What are you most concerned about as you look at the risk on the horizon?
5: Well, what we've seen is uh, inflation, obviously, um, uh, as the main theme and interest rates as a as a, as a derivative of that, has been the main theme of debate over the last, uh, over the last uh, period, so that will continue to be the debate for quite a while to come. Um, uh, we see headline inflation uh, tapering off a bit, mainly due to the energy prices that are, uh, are coming down. Uh, but core inflation is very sticky, and quite frankly, I don't see a catalyst why that would change in the, in the short term, so we remain quite cautious. Interest rates have come up, which is good for life insurance companies in general and good for Aegon, as our, uh, the attractiveness of our products will increase with higher rates and as uh, guarantees that are embedded in the back book of the portfolio are weighing less on the balance sheet with higher rates. So that is something that is a good dynamic for life insurance uh, companies. But at the same time, it is, of course, a very complicated dynamic for the families and households that we serve. Uh, this inflationary environment. So what we do is we spend a lot of time to making sure that we offer clients ways and means to navigate through this uh, uncertain uh, situation in the macroeconomic environment and to help them in this in this difficult period. But I would say the main themes are inflation, interest rates, and of course there is the geopolitical tensions that we've been uh, uh, seeing uh, uh, seeing and a horrible war, obviously, in our backyard here in Europe, which is which is awful, and. Um, and, and the debt ceiling discussions in the US, which we've now seen, I think, for 78 times. Uh, so let's see how, um, how, how the political parties uh, are dealing with that.
4: Really good to see you, and thank you for taking all our questions. We do appreciate it. So on a busy day for you. Live Friis, who is the CEO of Echon? just a, an anecdote for you two. Um, I've just had my insurance company has come back with my house and contents renewal. Guess how much they want extra? 30%. I've never claimed, wow. never claimed, mm. there'll be no change to the coverage. If they just tried to up the premium, just means they've got to hit the phones, doesn't it? Or hit the internet, the worldwide interweb.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but the story in the UK has changed of late because insurance companies now, when they offer you renewal, they're not allowed to favour new New customers customers. over old customers. So you can assume that it will be quite difficult to get a significantly cheaper deal, but it's definitely worth shopping around.
4: I mean, that's that's bonkers. Big
1: step up, isn't
4: it? It's a massive, you know, I'm, I'm like the boiled frog, 5-10%, I wouldn't even notice it, do you know what I mean, I'd say, right. well whatever, just it, but like when you yeah. to get 30%, it's like the alarm bells ringing, I feel like it's a it's a new crusade for me to try and find a better insurance now. They've has, gave...
0: has it become significantly more dangerous in your neighbourhood, <laughs> yeah. there, has there been an uptick in yeah. break-ins and thefts, I, mean, uh, I guess that's the other ar- argument for for the insurance company as to
4: why they might well, do that. they've let the cows out on the forest this spring, so uh, <laughs> that could be more dangerous, I don't
0: know.
1: All those valuables are now for- hoarding. That's that's usual.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.